Praise the Lord. God is good. All the time. Yeah. I only asked one person when they arrived this morning, but did anybody else see the amazing phenomenon in the sky this morning? No? It happened on Thursday morning, Thursday evening, and I saw it again this morning. It's a very rare phenomenon where uh, the cloud uh, uh, gets ice particles in it, and as the sun shines through it, it's like rainbows all through the clouds. And it's very rare. It happened twice on Thursday morning and evening, and it happened again this, this morning from our house. It was absolutely amazing just to see it. And uh, it just reminds me of the fact that what would it must have been like for the shepherds as they suddenly saw the light in the sky, as the angels appeared and began to tell them the good news that the Saviour has been born. And then the white men in the east, the wise men in the east, they saw this amazing star that must have been an incredible sight to cause them to realise it meant something significant that a child, a king, had been born. And you know the sky is going to be filled with wonder again one day. Clouds are going to open. Our Saviour is going to come. And he's going to take those who love him to be back into his eternal presence. But the important thing is that we need to know him. We need to have accepted him as our Saviour and as our Lord. Otherwise, when he comes the second time, we will be left, those who haven't accepted him, will be left behind to, to face the wrath of God upon this earth. I wonder if I was to ask you of the books of the Bible, um, you don't have to answer, it's a question you don't have to answer out publicly, I'll answer for myself in a moment, but which books of the Bible are there that perhaps we, we fail to turn to as often as we would turn to other books of the Bible. So for me, it's, it's absolutely no problem to turn to the Gospel of John or, or to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I love going to 1 Corinthians 15 and I love to go to the Psalms. And there are so many different books of the Bible that perhaps we return to on a regular occasion, yet other books of the Bible that we perhaps just don't avoid, but we just don't find, perhaps I'll use this phrase, the appeal to go to read from them as often as we would with some of the others, and maybe some of the minor prophets of some of those books. Um, we heard about Micah last week, Malachi is another important one, Jonah, well they're all important, but there's one book that perhaps we find that we don't turn to so very often, or for myself anyway, and it is the book of Zechariah. And when it comes to the book of Zechariah, it's one of those books that's not an easy book to understand, because it's a book that is full of visions and it's full of strange pictures, but they're symbolic, they have a purpose behind each one of them. And perhaps for me the book of Zechariah is well known to me, or a portion of it is well known to me, because it speaks of the fact of what I've just spoken about, that Jesus, who was celebrating for the first birth this weekend, is going to be coming again. And the book of Zechariah talks of his second part of his second coming, because there are two aspects to his second coming. There's the first aspect when he will come to take the believers, to rapture the believers and the dead in Christ from this earth, to go with him to that house that he's preparing for us, but a little while later, sometime after what is known in the word of God as the Great Tribulation, 
which is a seven-year period where God's wrath is going to be poured out upon the earth, it says that Jesus is going to return to the earth. And it says at that moment, his feet will stand again on the Mount of Olives. And when Christ returns to the Mount of Olives, it's to the same spot in which he was standing on just a little over 2,000 years ago when he ascended back into heaven after he had completed what had been his mission to come into this world for, which was to go to Calvary, to die for our sin, to be buried, and to rise again. And so he's coming again. Remember that as we're celebrating his first coming, that Jesus is coming again. And perhaps the most important thing that I could say this morning is this, to each and every single one of us, let us make sure that we've made our peace with God, that we've come to accept Jesus as our Saviour and Lord, that we've known that we are sinners, that he's the one who came to be the Saviour, and that we've committed our hearts and our lives to him. We've allowed him to come and to be Lord of our lives, and he'll forgive our sin. He'll give us a new name which is written down in glory, and we'll become new creations. And as we live in that realm of living for Jesus, knowing him as Saviour and Lord, we can be sure that when he does come to the clouds to rapture the church to himself, we will be ready and we will be taken up, disappear from earth to be in his immediate presence and with him for the countless ages of eternity. So that's one reason why Zechariah is familiar to me is those verses in chapter 12 that talk of Jesus coming to Mount Olivet. But there's another reason why I'm familiar with a verse in this short uh, book is the verse that have come in chapter 4 and verse 6 uh, and it's because of a song that we sing and probably have enjoyed singing which are based on the words from this verse which is this then he said to me this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel not by might nor by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. And how many of us know that song? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This mountain shall be <coughs> removed. And so I want to read Zechariah chapter 4 this morning. It's not a very long chapter. Zechariah 4. And the angel who talked with me came again and woke me like a man who was awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? I said, I see, and behold, a lampstand, all of gold with a bowl on the top of it, and seven lamps on it, with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? I said, No, my Lord. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you? O great mountain, before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, 
and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts had sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range through the whole earth. Then I said to him, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? And a second time I answered and said to him, what are these two branches of the olive trees, which are besides the two golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out? He said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. Then he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Now, if your Bible, such as mine does, has headings at the beginning of the chapters or even partway through some of the chapters, you will see that what we're reading here in Zechariah chapter 4 is the fourth vision that he had had so far. And it is a vision of a special lampstand and what we would call, using the Hebrew word for it, a menorah, M-E-N-O-R-A-H. It has seven candlestick holders branching out from it, one in the centre and three on either side. But this one, in this vision, is special or significant in the way that it has been designed. And so I'm just going to quote what one commentator has said in describing this menorah. The menorah in Zechariah's vision had, has a bowl on the top of it that seems to act as a receptacle for oil. Archaeological discoveries of clay lamp dishes with pinched sides holding wicks have led to the translation seven lips. However, what seems to be in view is the all of gold sanctuary menorah, not a clay lamp. The Hebrew is better rendered as seven streams or seven pipes or channels, as some translations render the phrase which provide a mechanism for the oil to travel from the bowl to each of the seven lamps. Finally, there are the two olive trees to the right and left of the bowl. Verse 12 further describes two branches of the olive trees and two golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out. While some of the Hebrew is difficult to translate, the impression seems to be that the two olive trees provide oil for the menorah through two golden pipes which presumably empty into the bowl and from there are further transported by the seven streams to each of the lamps. End of quote. See, this lamp in Zechariah 4 has been designed in such a way that the oil supply that is required for it to be a light and to be giving forth its light 
is such that once it's all connected up, it will not need any human intervention. For the oil is pictured as flowing directly from the two olive trees and then into the bowl that will hold the oil and then from the bowl it will pass to each of the lit candles enabling this menorah to be perpetually alight without man having to do anything. So what is this all about? Well, the simple and most straightforward answer is that it is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. See, in the scripture, the Holy Spirit is signified in different ways. Firstly, and of importance, is that the Holy Spirit is a person. That's important. We must understand that. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not, it's not an it. He's not an it. He's a he. And he is the third person of the Godhead. So we have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God. But on different occasions, when you go through the Word of God, we find the Holy Spirit being seen in different ways. For example, on the day that Jesus was baptised in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, we read there that it says that the Holy Spirit came and descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. On the day of Pentecost, when you read the narrative there in Acts chapter 2, we find that the Holy Spirit came upon and into the upper room, firstly as like a rushing mighty wind, and then the Holy Spirit came as tongues of fire and rested upon those that were in the upper room. And here in Zechariah, the Holy Spirit is seen symbolically as being like the oil that causes the wick to burn in this menorah, thus to enable it to give out the light. <coughs> so this verse and those surrounding it are first and foremost verses that applied to and still apply to the city of Jerusalem and to the people of Israel who are God's chosen people. Listen to what the Lord God says to Israel through Moses way back in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6. For you, speaking to the children of Israel, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And I've mentioned recently that as a nation, Israel has constantly known the hatred of other nations towards them. And time and time again, they have commanded the rule of those who have wanted to oppress them and to destroy them. And sometimes it's been of their own making because at times they've chosen to forsake God and to rebel against him. But the important thing is this, that God has never, ever failed Israel. He loves Israel. And he loves Israel with an everlasting love. 
And because of this, God has watched over them. God has protected them. And he has drawn them back time and time and time again to himself. And the very existence of Israel today is actually nothing short of a miracle. And it's all because of the mercy of God and of his unfailing love towards them. Again, going back into the Old Testament, God said to the people of Israel in Malachi 3 verse 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, or children of Israel, are not consumed. And again in Lamentations 3, 22 to 23, some verses we know very well, verses we use so often for ourselves. But we need to understand, first of all, in fact, that they are the testimony of the nation of the people of Israel. And I'll read it from the English Standard Version first, which says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that's our testimony, isn't it? We would say this morning that his mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God, towards each one of us. But if you go to the NIV and the King James Version, it writes it this way. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. And so this is the testimony of Israel. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In the King James Version, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And in the day and age in which we're living in, if only those who are constantly coming up against Israel, would read the word of God. They would soon discover that the unchanging God will never, ever fail towards Israel. And at this point of time, today, which is around 520 years, no, sorry, at this point of time in Zechariah, which is around 520 years before the birth of Christ, and like that I haven't spelt 525 on the notice board this morning. If you noticed it, we'll point it out to Norman after. But 520 years before the birth of Christ, as Zechariah receives these visions and begins to understand them, the message to Israel through this particular vision is this. You are who you are, and you have survived against every onslaught of the enemy, not by your own power, not by your own strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In other words, what the Lord is saying to them is, your might could never have kept you. Your own power could never have kept you. It is only by my spirit and by my spirit alone 
that you have been kept and preserved. And today, despite all its military strength, which is amongst the best in the whole of the world today, it will only be because of the Spirit of God that the nation of Israel will continue to survive against every attack of evil that is coming against it in the present day and will still come against it in the future, right up until the day I've mentioned when Jesus will return to the Mount of Olives. And it is at that moment when Jesus stands on the Mount of Olives, it will be by his breath, he will destroy all the armies of this world who are going to gather up against the nation of Israel and he will destroy them. And then Christ will establish his throne in the city of Jerusalem and will reign as King of Kings and as Lord of Lords with every single nation, with every single power and with every single authority being subject to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the word of the Lord. And his word is truth. And his word stands forever. And so yes, we are celebrating his first coming at this Christmas time. But as I've already mentioned at the beginning, more importantly is that we need to remind ourselves that Jesus is coming again. We thank God for his first coming. It's only because he came as a babe and died on the cross and rose again that we this morning can say that we are alive again. We made alive again in Christ Jesus. And so I ask the challenge again. Will you, speaking to each one that is here this morning, will you be ready for that moment when he comes to take to himself those who have come by faith to believe in Jesus and have been saved. So there are three things that I see here in these verses. I see the perpetual presence of God. I see the perpetual power of God. And I see the perpetual protection of God. See, Israel has always and continually, even today, needs these three things. They need the perpetual presence of God. They need the perpetual power of God. And they need the perpetual protection of God. For without God and his being perpetual in these three areas towards them, Israel would not exist today. They would fail. And we... You and I this morning, who have become the people of God through reason of our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we also need to know his perpetual presence. We also need to know his perpetual power. And we also need to know his perpetual protection. And the way that we see the tide turning in our own nation at this moment, we're going to need the protection of God upon us more than ever before as we see the rise of Islam in this nation of ours that is coming against not only Israel but it will come against those who belong to the church of Jesus Christ we need the perpetual presence and power and protection of God see the verses I've quoted from Deuteronomy concerning Israel were also 
applied to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. For Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 6, As you come to him, that is those of us who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am lying, laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And then in verses 9 to 10, But you, speaking of us this morning, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, in the context of what these verses are saying about us as believers, we also constantly, we perpetually need the presence, the power, and the protection of God and of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I turned to a hymn as I was preparing this in the week, and this is the hymn in Making Melody, number 35, Dwelling in the Secret Place. I could end there and say that's where we need to be. Dwelling in the secret place, overshadowed by his grace, looking up into his face and seeing only Jesus. Hidden there from all alarm, safe from danger, fear, and harm, holding up by his strong arm, seeing only Jesus, dwelling there. How truly blessed, leaving all, how sweet to rest, head upon my Saviour's breast, seeing only Jesus, resting there no more to roam, dwelling near to heaven and home, waiting there until he comes. Seeing only Jesus. Church, at the end of this year, as we move into 2024, can I tell you that more than ever before, we need to learn to know what it is to dwell in the secret place. There's an attack coming against our nation. We think it's all happening in the Middle East, but it's happening on our doorsteps. There's a foreign God that is rising amongst us. We need protection. We need to learn what it is to dwell in the secret place. To be overshadowed by his grace. And I want to end what I'm sharing this morning at this point. And I'm going to return to it again in the new year. And look at those three points I've mentioned. But I'm going to answer the question you might be asking, why on the day before Christmas have I come to these verses today, and in particular verse 6? Why haven't I brought a Christmas message? Well, what I'm sharing this morning is all wrapped up in the Christmas message. It's the ongoing purposes of God amongst his people. But a year ago I shared with the fellowship here a verse which I believed at that time, and I still believe, that God gave to me to give to us 
as a fellowship for 2023. And if you haven't remembered what it was, I'll remind you. It was Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That verse still applies as we go into 24. His goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives, and one day we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But a few weeks ago, on a Wednesday evening in the prayer meeting, it's very often in the prayer meeting that God somehow seems to speak to me. A few weeks ago in the prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit prompted me to this verse from Zechariah. And then, as I read it and meditated upon it, I felt the Holy Spirit prompted me that this needs to be our verse for 2024. So that's why I'm sharing it today, and I'm glad that there's so many here to hear, because I believe that this is the word of the Lord for us, as a fellowship, for me as a pastor, for each one of us, from the eldest down to the youngest. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so next year we need to be seeking more than ever the presence of the Holy Spirit amongst us. Because my might is nothing. My power is nothing. But his is amazing. Incredible. So it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And remember that the oil perpetually flowed in that menorah in the vision. Every one of us, we need the flow of the Spirit. The flow of the Spirit. We need the oil of the Spirit to come upon us, to saturate us, to come within us, and we need the oil of the Spirit to use the verse I love so much from the King James Version, from out of our innermost, the belly, innermost being. So if we want the Holy Spirit to come upon us and to flow through us, then let's get rid of the rubbish of the world. Let's get rid of everything that we're involved with in this world that is clogging up our lives to prevent the flow of the Spirit and to live only for Jesus, for His glory and for His praise. So not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. 